Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this beautiful, a uh, little bit windy up here in my in Fort Collins where I'm at. I'm, again, broadcasting from my home studios. Uh, it's been kind of a... Uh, Kind of an interesting situation, you know. I, I think it's gone well, but it, it gives me a different feel. So I hope you folks have enjoyed it. But we're out of an abundance of caution. I'm sure you watch the TV shows and see the broadcasters at home and things. And hopefully we can all get back to normal pretty soon. And during the course of today, we're going to talk some about that. Um, we're going to talk in a little bit. Uh, in the second segment today, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about What's happening at uh, Colorado uh, State Parks? They're going to give us a COVID update. And uh, we're also going to talk about some closures of some smaller facilities around the state that have closed because of overcrowding and because of nobody social distancing. We're going to talk about that. We don't want to see that continue. And we're going to talk a lot of fishing today. We're going to take you everywhere from the Arkansas River up to uh, the Granby area. And speaking of the Granby area, let's go up there right now. And uh, we'll go right to the phones. And joining us, one of our good friends, Bernie Keith. Good morning, Bernie. Good morning, Terry. How you guys doing? You know, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing absolutely awesome. I am doing the coolest thing ever today. What are you doing today? I'm afraid to ask, but tell me. Okay, you ask. I'm going to tell you. I got the Mercury trailer up in my yard, and we're shooting a bunch of how-to videos on Mercury Motors. Oh, really? So yeah, what, what kind of how-to? Uh, how, how to change to oil. How to, how to do maintenance for the most part, all the simple maintenance things people can do. That's awesome. I run a Mercury Motor. I was sponsored by them in the past. Uh, I'm not now, but I haven't. I do still run a Mercury Motor. <clears throat> Let's, uh, you know, what are some of the things, Bernie, that, uh, well, let's, um, let me ask you a, a Mercury question before we get to the Granby area. Um, you are you running a four-stroke now? Or are you running the Verado or the normal four-stroke? Which motor are you running? I'm running the 225 Pro XS four-stroke. Okay, so and I'm running a, a 175 Pro X, Pro XS two-stroke. So mine still is oil injected. How do you feel about the four-stroke now that I know you used to run two-strokes also? Oh my gosh, it's so awesome, Terry. Number one, you change your oil. Every 100 hours, most people, that's maybe once a year. Um, it's so much quieter, so much more fuel efficient. Fuel efficient. Um, I will not go back to a two-stroke unless I absolutely have to. I'm just in love with these four-strokes. And they brought the uh, they brought the weight down on them, too, haven't they? Oh, they did. They that did. They're, now, they're not much heavier than a, than a two-stroke at all anymore, and they're just so efficient. It's crazy. Fuel efficient. Um, they're fast. Um, maintenance efficient. Changing the oil takes nothing anymore. It, they're, like I said, I just can't say enough good things about them. Well, if I uh, if I I'm going to have to decide if I upgrade another boat or another motor, I'm going to have to decide what I'm going to do. I'm happy right now with what I've got, but. You know, uh, the, the the great thing about buying an outboard, it's a great recreational toy because they will last a lifetime if you take care of them. But, Bernie, let's talk about the fishing up there. Speaking of boating, 
I understand that in your area, the ice is off and the ramps are opening soon. Is that right? The rumor has it um, that they're going to open the 15th on all the lakes up here, William Fort, Grand Lake, Shadow Mountain, and Granby. Um, they're going to open on the 15th now, and I don't know about Wolford. But um, the bank fishing right now everywhere I've been has been absolutely phenomenal, catching big fish, catching lots of fish. Um, it's just been good everywhere you go, whether you want to use lures or whether you want to use bait, you'll – as long as you pick, find the fish, you're going to do well. Yeah, and we'll talk. I want to get into that boat shore and the upcoming boating in just a second. One thing I do want to mention is we go through the course of today's show, folks. We're going to talk about areas all over the state. Some of you live close to these areas, but wherever you live, uh, make sure you're following guidelines. And we're not advising anybody to not uh, to not abide by the state guidelines. We're just giving you information around the state. So make sure you follow those guidelines. So, Bernie, let's talk first about the shore fishing. Then I want to kind of project out to when it opens. So what are you seeing? What species in particular? And are there any tactics you recommend? Well, you know, um, I'm just going to start from the bottom and work my way up. I've been doing a lot of sucker fishing for bait lately, and that is super simple. It's find a little inlet, just anchor some worms on the bottom. Um, then you'll catch a bunch of rainbows doing that too. And if you want to strictly go rainbow fishing, you can go further up into the creek where there's flowing water. You can drift either flies or lures, um, I mean worms, in the water. Lures will work, small lures, small spoons, small spinners will work all day long for the rainbows. Uh, best bites before, say, 9 or 10 o'clock. And then early in the morning when the sun, before the sun actually hits the lake, the brown trout fishing along the rocky areas is absolutely phenomenal. You know, um, jerk baits, stick baits, stuff like that work really well. Uh, a little later in the day, you can go to black marabous and white marabous. Um, little tube jigs will work. And then uh, the lake trout fishing, you can start off in the morning off the points and, um, yeah, basically off the points, maybe the flats and throw bigger lures for large fish. And then once the sun hits the water, switch up to tube jigs, twister tails, and fish a little deeper out there, and you can catch fish all day long for that. Um, if you're going to go pike fishing down at Williams Fork, wait till late in the afternoon, until after the sun has been up all day and the wind has blown that warm water and stacks it up in the back of a bay. Those pike will be the most active. It's not going to be real good yet, but if you fish real slow, you got a shot at probably the biggest pike of your life. Yeah, this is the time of the year. In fact, we're going to talk more about that later in the show too, but this is the time of the year. The pike are probably pre-spawn up there. They could be finishing up the spawn, but when they once they once they kind of recover a little bit, they really move into those warm bays to feed before the water starts to warm up and they go a little deeper. But you'll see some of the biggest fish of your life. Is that what you're seeing? Is it post-spawn fish moving up to feed, or are they still on the spawn? No, they're done spawning here, and um, they're just posed. I think I don't know if they're moving up to feed or just trying to find that warm water to just get a little bit warmer. Um, and it's probably a combination of the two. They look for the warm water because that's where the food's going to be coming to also, and then they get more comfortable. Yeah, isn't it? When you, know, when you see a 40-inch pike sunning itself, is that one of the most exciting uh, – it's probably one of the most exciting things in Colorado fishing. Now, we have giant lake trout, as you well know, and catch in Colorado. But you very seldom see them before you catch them. When you see that 
big pike and you throw a lure and you're wondering if it's going to react, that's a that's an incredible and incredible experience, isn't it? Oh, it's unbelievable. And one of the tricks that I've always done is I'll get out there early, like say 10 o'clock when it's still glass calm out and the water's still cold. And I will put my electric motor on high and I'll stand up on the bow of my boat and I will go, I will go right down the shoreline. And everywhere I see a fish dart out in the deep water, I'm going to mark it. Then I'm later on, I'm going to go back after that water gets warmed up by the wind. I'm going to go fish those areas where I saw the fish, and those fish will still be there. But now I'll know where they're at, and it saves a whole bunch of looking trying to figure them out in the wind. Oh, yeah, and, you, and you, you're not going to have to move in and spook them to find them, so you'll, you'll have them marked. That's a great, great, great tip, Bernie. Um, so... You said it looks like the ramps are going to open up there on around the 15th. Um, is that and is are they going to have inspectors there? How are they going to run the ramps? Or are they going to be hours? Do you have any idea? Yeah, the hours are supposed to be six in the morning to eight at night. Um, they will have inspectors. No inspectors. No ramp opening. Um, I think that's about it. But you know, it's with everything else. That opening date has changed a couple of times. They had it the 15th, and they were going to move it to the 8th, and now it's back to the 15th. So, And they put out a press release for it being the 15th. But I would still call the Forest Service or the CPW if you're going to a lake anywhere and you don't know it's actually open, if you want to hit it on opening day, I strongly suggest you call one of the officials and and ask that question and see what they have to say so you don't waste a trip up here because we like i really won't know until the morning of the 15th and when i pull my boat down there if there's an inspector there or not well and with all the things going on we're going to have parks and wildlife on course they don't run the ramps up where you are that's forest service but we're going to try to get updates and there's been so many different regulations and different effects of both you know, the inspection process, the the money process that's going on because funds are down, and the COVID thing that people need to really plan carefully. And one of the things we're telling them, too, whatever place they go, if the boating, if the boat ramps aren't open, but if it's just super crowded, try to go a different time or find a different place to go. Because I'm going to talk later in the show that if people, people don't like me, they don't want me to get preachy about this, but we're seeing facilities closed because people haven't been following the rules and they've been overcrowding. And we just don't want to lose any more facilities, especially once they open. But once you get out there, Bernie, and the water opens, how are your tactics and approach going to change? Well, if it's, uh, if it's real early in the morning and there's a little bit of chop in the water, I'm going to go throw lures at the points, go through and throw lures at the rocks and go fish for browns and lake trout and big ones. And then once the sun comes up and the lake goes flat, then I'm going to bring out the jigs and um, go looking for fish. And we might end up casting jigs up on shallow areas. You know, like say if we see a hump that's 10 feet deep, we might cast jigs and work them back off there. We might throw some crankbaits up there. Um, but for the most part, I'm going to be looking on my graph once it goes flat and looking for a fish on my graph. And then we're going to stop and drop jigs on them. Um, if you're fishing from the bank, that bank fishing is going to go on really good for probably another two weeks anyway. Uh, but with a boat, use your sonar, find the fish, and just go fish for them. Unless if it's windy and crappy out, then understand the fish are going to be in two and three feet of water and get your lures up there and cast cast to the bank. Now, let's uh, before we run out of time here, let's talk a little bit about um, we're going to start seeing more and more things opening up 
as those boat ramps open, are you going to be open for guiding? Yes, yes. Um, Grand Grand County has a protocol we have to follow. We have to sanitize our boats every day. Uh, we have to sanitize our gear every day. We have social distancing, and we're requiring we we are wearing and requiring masks for everybody on the boat. Uh, if you forget a mask, that will we will give you a very uncomfortable and unflattering one to wear. So don't forget your mask because if you know me, unflattering is very unflattering. Oh yeah, I, I don't even want to. The thought of coming to fish with you and having to wear a mask that you gave me would would immediately negate any pictures that were taken being shown to anybody. I know that for a fact. <laughs> oh, I. Uh, I, a shudder went up and down my spine, and the hair stood up on the back of my neck when you said you'd supply an unflattering mask. I just, <laughs> Bernie, before we let you go, to, Sherry, Terry, that will get everybody to bring their own mask right there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bernie, if uh, why don't you tell people how they get a hold of you and how they contact you, or even if they just if they want a guide trip or if they just want more information. You know, we have a ton of information on our website, fishingwithbernie.com. You can contact me off that. Um, social media, um, Instagram, and Facebook is Fishing with Bernie. Uh, you can look, you can email me, berniekeefathotmail.com. My phone number's all over everything, 970-531-2318. Give me a holler. We can try to help you out in any way we can. All right, my friend, we'll let you get back, and you can go do some more work on Mercury Motors, and hopefully you and I will get on the water soon. Oh, that'd be awesome. You guys, you guys have a great, safe weekend, and stay healthy. Yeah, same to you, Bernie, and we hope for that for everybody. Bernie Keith, thank you so much, Bernie. Bernie Keith, what a great resource. And I'll tell you what, the lakes he fishes up there, Granby, Grand Lake, uh, Williams Fork, uh, Wolford, uh, there's just an abundance of great fishing up there. And if if it's permitted within your your uh, ad, you know your regulations and what the suggestions are for you, you just want to hit those right now in the spring. If you're a shore fisherman, especially, you heard Bernie talking about it, the shore fishing opportunities up there are going to be uh, nothing nothing short of fantastic. And by the way, if you want to see Bernie fishing, uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, there are two or three shows with Bernie. In fact, one's titled Fishing with Bernie, where we take you through the season, spring through fall through ice. We've got some ice fishing trips with Bernie. And we've got some lake trout fishing trips with Bernie where Karen and I each had a 20-pound lake trout in the net at the same time. So we've got, a, we've got quite a bit on Bernie on our, our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. So check that out. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, um, Rebecca Furl is going to join us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And we're going to get up an update on their approach to the COVID crisis and a lot of other things going on at Parks and Wildlife right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. There's an upbeat eagle song. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Um, let's go right to the phones because I want to spend as much time as we can with this lady. Rebecca Farrell from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is joining us, and she's going to update us on things at Parks and Wildlife. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing great, and I imagine you're sitting around because Parks and Wildlife has the entire year planned out knowing that there's no variables and you've got every opening day and every closing day and every every activity down to the second plan because there's nothing that could interrupt that, right? Yeah, life's a breeze for us here at CPW, just like everybody else right now. 
Yeah. No, and obviously we are in very, very strange times. And I think it's important that we kind of update people. The one thing I think we need to make sure people understand is that there's no playbook for this. This is new. And uh, people are going to get frustrated at times. But we're all trying to figure this out as we go. And parks and wildlife, your whole charge is to get people outdoors. You know, my career and what you do with parks and parks and wildlife is, is predicated on getting people to go outside and enjoy the outdoors and take advantage of our great resources. And it's made it difficult for everybody to try to plan and understand. So let's try to clear some of that up. Um, I did notice that there was an update on Parks and Wildlife's website, but and we'll get to some of that. But why don't you kind of take us through the highlights of where you want to make sure we're at? Sure. So um, we do want to, you know, again, uh, thank people for for continuing to um, respect our employees and our resources and all of those things. We know that that the resources that we have at Parks and Wildlife are some of the few that have been consistently open and available for people. And so um, we take a lot of pride in that. Uh, we hope that, that the folks who are getting out there and enjoying our state parks and all of that are, are doing the same and, and taking pride in, in what we have available here in Colorado. And so, you know, again, we just, we really want to thank people for, you know, continuing to, to work with us as we all kind of go through these really, really uncomfortable times, right? Um, and so we're, we're proud that we're able to provide those resources, but we also know there are some things that people are itching to do that they haven't been able to do yet this spring. Um, obviously, the biggest right now is, is camping. Um, that, is, that is at the forefront of almost everybody's mind, right? We're, we're getting warmer temperatures. It's, it's May. We're thinking about Memorial Day, um, and, and we haven't been able to provide camping. Um, so we had a press conference yesterday. The governor uh, mentioned that he is, is asking us to work on plans, and I don't want people to think that we hung up a we're closed sign and haven't been planning all along, um, but we are encouraged by the fact that the governor is asking us to kind of take another look and, and start thinking about what that reopening will look like here in the near future. So, um, you know, we, we really miss our campers. We miss the folks who, who come back to us every year. Those of our, our camp hosts who make it a really good experience, they've, they've also not been able to come out. Um, and so, you know, we, we miss things being normal just as much as everybody else, and, and we're encouraged that we can start getting closer to that normal soon. Now, is the best way to find out, now you don't have a date yet, but is the best way to go to the COVID site at Parks and Wildlife to get updates? Is yeah, I mean, I think once we have, you know, a date or more of a plan, and again, I hope people understand that, um, you know, we're not only working with the governor's office very closely every day, CDPHE every day, but we're also working with, you know, 64 different counties here in Colorado. And, and so we need to make sure that whatever we're doing is respectful um, and safe for, for all of those communities. And so um, we will be working very uh, quickly to update our website. If you go to CPW's main page, there's a, a locked bar, bright yellow, can't miss it, um, that people can click to get the most up-to-date information. Um, but obviously with camping being such a priority for people here in Colorado and, and that ability to get outside and, and reconnect and, and disconnect, quite frankly, we're all online so much with working from home and all of that. Um, we'll also certainly you know, have press releases that go out to you and all of our other media partners will update our social media. So um, I don't think anybody will miss when we have the ability to, to share what the what no. the camping reopening looks like. And we we certainly share all that on our social media and on, on the show. We'll get that out. And I want to move on from camping, but before I do, um, I want to talk a little bit about I, I, there's been a few entities that have opened camping, and I know you're not going to have the total answer to this. Some of them have opened with just hard side self-contained campers, 
and the facilities as far as bathrooms and things aren't open. Has there been any hints of any kind of a plan or, or is it just, are you going to have a uniform plan throughout the state or are you going to have to vary it? I think that you will expect that we'll have some level of phased um, openings. Um, I think, you know, I know for for sure here in the, the Front Range, Larimer County has kind of made that decision for some of their campgrounds to open. Um, I don't know necessarily what that will look like from Parks Park, and I think that's one place where people will, again, need to have patience. Um, we, we can't just flip a we're open sign. It's, it's much more complicated than that. Um, but I would expect that some amenities people are used to, like our, our camper services buildings with showers and laundry and those sorts of things, will probably not open the moment the campgrounds open. Um, we would expect that we need people to, to be sort of self-contained and self-prepared. Um, make sure you have lots of extra hand sanitizers. Make sure that, that you don't have to um, rely, again, on, on camp hosts having tons of supplies because they haven't been there yet. Um, and, and certainly those buildings, as we you know look at, at cleaning plans and protocols and, and how many people can be in and out at one time, um, I would expect that those things may not open right away. Well, and we'll just keep posted, and hopefully it'll be soon. Um, hopefully, you know, of course, we've got a big major outdoor holiday coming at the end of this month, and I know everybody's going to be itching to get out. But speaking of getting out, um, let's talk about some of the things that are going on. I want to talk about fishing and going to the lakes, but before we do that, um, it, we've also been going through the big game draw, and hopefully we're going to have a normal big game season next year. I know that because of staffing and working at home, you've had to approach things different. How are things going with those aspects of parks and wildlife? Um, everything is, is going according as, as much as, as you can be according to plan right now. Um, we have finished some of our sheep, goat, and moose draws. Um, so those things are, are all on track and on schedule. And obviously next up will be the, the deer and elk pieces. So um, we all, of course, to, to your point, hope that by you know the time August rolls around, we're, we're in a much more free and open and, and are relatively unaffected. Um, certainly we don't expect the draws to be affected. And has there been, I know that, you know, you can't blend parks money and wildlife money. Are we are we doing okay funding wise? We don't have to get into details, but I imagine staffing, especially on the park side, has probably been difficult. Sure. So, you know, we actually provide a financial update um, every month to our commission. And so uh, we just had a commission meeting last week. If people are interested in some of those nitty gritty details, they're available on our website if you just search for commission meetings. Um, but, you know, it, it's difficult not having camping as a, as a big source of revenue for us. That's That's been a challenge on the park side. Um, certainly, we're, we're not in danger of, of closing our doors, but you know, it's a concern and it's something that we're looking at very closely. And so, um, you know, we're no different than any other um, government agency when it comes to the fact that everybody's budgets are being relooked at and, and things are being reallocated. But um, we're also in the position of being a, an enterprise agency, which means we're, we're largely self-funded and, and we get funds from the lottery. And so, you know, we're affected by how much people are playing the lottery as well. But, um, you know, we're we're hopeful and anxious that once we're able to, to get those those doors open and, and welcome people back, that, that we'll be we'll be looking much better here in the next month or two. Well, one one bright aspect um, is the fact that I, I read an article just uh, a couple of days ago, and I haven't been able to verify it yet. But it stated that on a national basis, fishing license sales are at records. And you know, we've worked hard. You as an agency, me as part of the fishing industry, outdoor industry, the industries have worked hard to get people back to the outdoors. Um, we'll talk in a minute about how hopefully we haven't overworked that. But fishing is becoming really popular again. 
Um, there's a lot of resources at Parks and Wildlife to help people with that, aren't there? There are. And so we have a, um, depending on the time of year, we're, we're hoping to get back to, to weekly here. We have a, a fishing report that you can sign up through email and, and get every week that kind of gives you an update on what we've been stocking and what conditions look like. We get reports from the field and, and try and incorporate those so that people have a, a really good idea of what they're heading into on the weekends. They come out on Friday, so perfect timing. Um, and then we also have a fishing app. And um, that's really great because you can download it right to your phone. It does work offline for a lot of the features. Um, so once it's on your phone, if you want to kind of look at what's available, the GPS will still work even if you're not online. You just need to have some data on your phone. Um, but it provides you with everything you need. And so especially during this time when we're being asked to recreate a little bit nearer to home, you may not be able to travel to your favorite fishing hole, but it allows you to kind of find things that are within 10 miles of your home. It gives you updates as to whether or not it's kid-friendly, right? It's a perfect time to get the kids out and, and start to learn and enjoy um, the, the fun of angling. And so we provide a lot of detail on that app and it, it tells you what's been stocked and what you can expect, whether or not there's an accessible pier, all of these wonderful things. Um, and it's right there on your phone and it's free. You can download it for, for any type of phone that you have. And I, just a note on that, uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk about Metro Lakes and then Chad Lachance and I at the end of the show at the second hour are going to talk about a lot of the ponds that are stocked with panfish and trout and bass and I had two of the CPW biologists on over the last three or four weeks giving updates about local ponds and fisheries in their areas on the front range. And those are all on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So please take advantage of that. We're over time, Rebecca, but I want to steal another minute. The last thing I want to make sure we talk about is the fact that we are overloving some of the areas. And I know that normally this time of year, we have some closes because of muddy trails, and we have raptor trail, raptors that force some trail closures. And we've also had a couple non-state park entities, Union Reservoir and the Bear Creek Soda Lake area, close a lot of their facilities because of overcrowding and fear that people weren't social distancing. I'm not aware of many, if any, that parks has had to run into, but is that, is that an issue you're looking at? I mean, I would say it's an issue statewide, Terry. It's it's one of those things where we can't stress enough how important it is that people still kind of follow those social distancing and mask wearing um, guidelines. And, and I know uh, it's so tempting when you're outside to not have to think about all of that stuff. You know, you're reconnecting with nature. You don't really want to think about some of what's going on in the outside world. But masks are so important. Social distancing is so important to making sure that we get back closer to normal sooner than later. Um, and, and we do have, you know, the, the opportunity that we've, we've kept our parks open. And so we have seen summer-like levels of, of activity. Um, but we also are working very closely with other land management agencies so that we can keep each other aware of what's happening. And we're updating all of that stuff in our Cotrex app, um, not to put everything into technology, but it is a great tool um, that people can use where, you know, your local land managers, the forest service, are all putting in closures. And to your point, they're not all COVID-19 related. We do have a lot of young wildlife being born this time of year. We have raptor nesting. We have mud season. We have all of these things. We had a huge windstorm here on the front range that knocked down some trees at one of our parks that kind of closed off a trail. So you get up to the minute everything that you need to know um, before you head out. And so you can find things that maybe are a little bit less popular. Or you'll know when things are closed and, and you can detour yourself to a, a little bit of a less traveled path. And, you know, again, going back to what I said at the beginning, you know, we love all of the resources that we have here in Colorado, and we just ask that people continue to be respectful, continue to keep that distance, but, but try and do so without 
you know, going crazy off trail, respecting those closed trails and, and loving the resources the, the way they deserve to be loved. All right. We are way out of time, but I want to thank you for joining us, Rebecca. Keep me posted. We'll help you keep the people informed, and uh, let's all get outdoors and do it responsibly. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely, Terry. Have a safe weekend. You bet. Rebecca Farrell. Hey, by the way, that last app she mentioned for the trails is Cotrex, C-O-T-R-E-X. Check that out. It's something if you like to get outdoors, you want on your phone. We're over time, but when we come back, we're still going to spend plenty of time on the next segment because I've got time at the end to make it up. And we're going to take you down to the Arkansas headwaters right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I want to go right to the phones because I want to spend as much time with these next two gentlemen as I can. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is uh, Tappan Brown from the Aurora, excuse me, the Arkansas Headwater Recreation Area. And also uh, Michael Atwood, who's the biologist, fishery biologist in that area. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Terry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I hope you've been patiently waiting. I want to spend a lot of time with you, and we've got time. But I thought the stuff, I ran a little over. I thought what Rebecca was covering was so important out there to the public, and I know you guys were probably listening. It's just so important to get that information out, isn't it? Yes, there it is. It's uh, you know encouraging people to stay home and recreate locally. Yep. Now, Speaking of that, for people that live in your area, you've got some great recreational opportunities. Tappan, why don't you tell people about the Arkansas Headwater Recreation Area and describe the park, because it's set up different than most parks. Yeah, it is. We are a recreation area, and Arkansas Headwaters um, spans 152 miles of the Arkansas River from Leadville to Lake Pueblo. We span through four counties, Lake Chafee, Fremont, and Pueblo. And we're kind of a boating and fishing park. Um, The whitewater rafting opportunities are some of the best in the world and one of the most commercially rafted sections in the world from mild to wild. And that can be a class one, two family trip up to class four, five thrill-seeking adventure. And then also have over 100 miles of gold metal trout fishery. And Michael's going to can talk a little bit more about that, but um, some great float fishing or walk and wade fishing opportunities as well. And we have a number of campgrounds uh, stretched along the river from our basic campgrounds as well as to some primitive dispersed camping opportunities. And, of course, all those are still currently closed. Near camping, well, um, hopefully we'll get the camping open soon. Um, One of the things you mentioned, it's a great rafting area. You guys get a lot of... uh, a couple of years ago, we were all concerned because of the amount of snow. And then we had an incredible winter two winters ago. And this last winter looks good. How is the runoff looking this year? Yeah, we're expecting uh, another good year. Um, right now, snowpack is right around 100% or exceeding in some of those snowtail sites. And currently, the river is about 1,000 CFS cubic feet per second. And been on the rise a little bit. It did come up pretty quickly last week, um, and now it's sort of leveled off in a little bit cooler area. And we typically see our high peak runoff happen in June. And so it's still, um, when we're going to talk more with Michael about this, but is, are they getting boats? I know that, is it open for boating at this time? So we do not close a river 
Um, we encourage people to recreate at home, and, and we issue some high-water advisements for some of our sections that are a little bit more technical for boating. Um, but private boating locally is still open, and we are seeing quite a few local residents kayaking, rafting, as well as float fishing. And I know there are some county restrictions and things in place there. I'll get back to that in a minute. But let's go to Michael now and talk about the fishery because you talked about the Arkansas being a world-class rafting destination. It's also gold medal fishing waters and a world-class fly fishery. Michael, uh, good morning again. Tell us a little bit, what's the state status of the fishery right now in that Arkansas River? I imagine it varies. and There's been some impactful things that have happened over the years. Why don't you kind of bring us up to date? Yeah, good morning, Terry. Uh, thanks for having us. Uh, I think the main thing that I'd like to bring everybody up to speed on uh, for the Arkansas River um, is the status of the fishery downstream of Salida. About 20 miles, you'll reach the town of Coldale. And in 2016, I'm sure most of our listeners remember the Hayden Pass fire, uh, which burned in that area. Um, each year since then, we've seen some rainfall events take place on that burn scar, and um, those have created pretty significant flooding and um, a lot of deposition of sediment into the Arkansas River. Um, that deposition of sediment takes up a lot of critical habitat for our um, aquatic invertebrates, which is the fish food. It also takes up uh, really critical habitat for young, uh, developing, and juvenile fish. So we've seen a pretty significant decline in the overall trout density um, from Coldale downstream to, to Canyon City. So when it's safe for anglers to come visit Chafee County once again and Fremont County, um, we would encourage you to, to probably focus your fishing efforts upstream of Coldale where the river has not been impacted by any uh, fire effects and where you, you can really experience that gold metal brown trout fishery. Now, before we talk more about the upstream fishing and how good it is, we had a lot of water last year. We're expecting quite a bit this year. Have we been starting to scour that sediment out? Is that section of river recovering? Yep, that's a, that's a great point. And last year we were fortunate to have a, a very um, a, a higher than average runoff, and it was prolonged. I mean, that runoff lasted weeks longer than what we usually see. So a lot of that sediment that had been sitting on the substrate down near Coldale and downstream um, was actually mobilized and flushed downstream, um, cleaning up a lot of that habitat. And what we saw in our fall uh, fish surveys was that some of those fish are starting to move back in there, and we've seen a positive response to that. Um, however, uh, it's still it's still going to be a few years before that fishery rebounds to what it was before the fire took place. And it's not that people can't fish there and that there aren't any fish, but we certainly don't want it overpressured, and we don't want uh, we want the fish handled delicately. We want that to respond, and there has to be an expectation that it might not be they might not be as successful. Is that would that be a a good statement? Yeah, I think my main objective here is just to inform people that although you're fishing on a gold medal uh, part of the river, if you're downstream of that burn scar. Um, the, the trout density simply isn't what it was five years ago. So it's, it's really, I'm just trying to set an expectation, um, but there's, there's no reason you can't go down there, do some fishing, and uh, let me know what you find. 
All right. Let's talk about the upstream part. Tell us about the typical fish. Um, obviously, the Arkansas is famous for its brown trout. There are some rainbows. Um, what kind of fish can we expect to catch when we get into those fish on the Arkansas? Yeah, you nailed it. Um, when you're looking at the Arkansas River as a fishery, we're, we're talking mainly a brown trout fishery where more than 90% of the trout community is made up of brown trout uh, with just a handful of rainbows sprinkled in there. Uh, we and those are stock- wild brown trout, by the way. That's correct. We haven't we haven't stocked brown trout on the Arkansas River for many many decades. Um, I honestly couldn't even tell you the last time they were stocked. But we do stock a handful of rainbow trout on the Arkansas River. We're trying to get those fish established um, so they can make up part of the fishery. But an average fish on the Arkansas River would be about a 12 inch brown trout with with lots of fish reaching 14 inches. And then as you get to the 16 to 18 inch mark for those brown trout, that's really uh, would be considered um, a real quality uh, fish for the Arkansas River. Now, a lot of people hear about the famous hatches on the Arkansas, and of course the Mother's Day hatch with Mother's Day tomorrow. Um, We hear a lot about that, which on a typical year, it happens before Mother's Day. And we went through a few years ago where that hatch really declined due to some conditions, but it's been rebounding, but maybe not to what it was, but maybe to even a more fishable state. What's going on with that, and what are some of the more current hatches that are happening on the river? Yeah, so the Mother's Day caddis, caddis hatch, uh, as we refer to it, was up and running um, as recently as last week. Uh, we have reports from local anglers that the hatch was as far up as Hecla Junction, uh, which is between Salida and Buena Vista. Um, but with this warmer weather, uh, we saw the flows bump up and we started releasing some water from, from our upper reservoirs, and that kind of cooled the, cooled the river off a bit. And so that's going to slow down the caddis hatch. Um, but it's encouraging to see last year and this year the caddis hatch really rebound and really offer a, a great opportunity for fishermen, kind of like we remember it from from a decade plus in the past. And and what are you seeing for bugs right now? If somebody lives in that area, they want to get out fishing. By the way, is it mostly walk, it was walk wade, but with these increased flows, is it going to be mostly drift fishing right now before we get to bugs more? You know, I would still say that walk wading is very viable. Um, however, these flows do provide a better opportunity for float fishing. Um, generally, you're always going to see caddis drifting through the system. So caddis is always a, a, a good nymph to try out. Um, there's a lot of stoneflies in the Arkansas River. And um, the blue-winged olive mayfly hatch is probably one of the most maybe overlooked but prolific hatches on the Arkansas River. So anytime you're going to fish the Arkansas, make sure you've got mayfly nymphs, stonefly nymphs, and caddis, and all of those year-round are going to uh, be successful on the Arkansas River. Before we, I want to get back to Tappan, but before we go, any other comments on the fishery you'd like to make? Um, no, just, just a reminder that, you know, right now we all need to recreate close to home, and whenever it's safe and Chaffee County opens back up for visitors, um, there's a great fishery waiting for you. So we'll see you then. All right. Thanks, Michael. Great information. Tappan, couple of things I want to touch base with you. Um, when people can get up there, there is just a lot of public access because of the park and other uh, resources on the Arkansas, isn't there? 
There is. We have, we have a number of, along the 152 miles, a number of fishing easement access points, um, day use camping, boating access, boat ramps that we've provided all along the stretch to give the opportunity to do different sections of the river. Now, is there a new site by Granite Dam or something that's recently been improved? Yeah, very cool project, Terry. Um, Arkansas River Diversion Project was completed this past winter, and it's a unique uh, project that occurred. Uh, we call it the Homestake Project, and it was a collaboration between the cities of Aurora and Colorado Springs, as well as Colorado Parks and Wildlife, um, to replace a diversion dam there near Granite that was not navigable, really, for boaters and was had been kind of a dangerous place and came together, put together a plan and actually put a boat chute on one side for whitewater rafts to use a boat chute, a spillway, and then a fish ladder was also put into place. The project cost about $12 million and was kind of unique in that it did provide an opportunity for um, river right navigation. There. All right. Uh, I want to thank you, Phil. We're running out of time, but the last thing I know you wanted to make sure people, you're coming out with an article on boating safety. Is that right? Yeah, thanks. And I know you're running out of time. May is boat, National Boating Safety, and many people refer to that as on the reservoirs, but we also want to make sure people are boating safety on the river. And we just released an article just actually a couple days ago on the 5th, you can refer to that on our website and check it out, some guidelines when you are on the river. The big thing is always wearing a life jacket. It's very important, especially as we start to see our spring flows coming up. All right, guys, I've got to run. I'm out of time. But uh, if people want more information, Tappan or Michael, what's a great resource to find more information on the Arkansas? Yeah, again, I mean, we always encourage people to go to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website and look up Arkansas Headwaters Recreation Area. And we have all the boating, the fishing information that can all be found at, from that site. All right. Thanks, guys. Great information, a great resource. Hopefully people are going to be able to get out and start enjoying it very soon because it's true, truly one of the gems of Colorado. I appreciate it, Terry. You have a great day. We agree. Thanks, Terry. Yeah, thanks to both of you. Great information. Thanks, guys. That was Tappan Brown and Michael Atwood. We ran through. Normally, I would take a break in another segment here, but I'm going to take another minute or two, and then we're going to break, and then go right to Nate Zielinski at the top of the hour after that break. Um, but it was important. Great information. You know, the Arkansas River is just one of the gems. People all over the country read about the Arkansas River. They hear about it. They're enthralled with it. It's, it, it's in your backyard. And as regulations ease, some of these counties aren't allowing visitors right now. But as re regulations ease, um, if you're a, whether you're a fly fisherman or just you, know, you can use lures, it's flies and lures. You can go up there with conventional gear and learn. A fly in a bubble is a great way to go up there, too. So it's a great resource. Or just go up there and boat the river. Run the rapids. It's a tremendous, tremendous resource. I was going to get into a bunch of uh, things. The one comment I want to make before I do let you go, follow us on Facebook. Um, we are posting as much COVID updates and as much fishing updates as we can on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. 
lot of the podcasts you hear on this show are on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and a lot of the fishing opportunities we cover them. We cover them on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. I was going to spend some more time on social distancing because we're seeing some resources close. So be careful when you're out there. But we're not going to we're not going to preach on that. We're just going to get you out fishing. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Nate Zielinski is going to join us. We're going to talk pike fishing. Then we're going to have Austin Parr fishing the metro area, and we're going to have um, Chad Lachance, and we're going to talk about fishing the ponds, which are on fire. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. 